0: him here they seek him there his clothes are loud,
1: but never squell Ennis had always loved characters you know he knew everybody in the town and everybody in the town knew him
0: Michael was always flash he always wore nice bright colours you'd never really see Michael in dowdy colours he was always flash so he was
2: you'd see him delivering the papers with his large dog we were aware of him as because he was um, he was a bit of a peacock
3: <laughs> everybody loved michael if you were looking anywhere said he had you left it born in
4: 1917 into one of the old ennis families michael tierney grew up in the 1920s and 30s and formed a close attachment with his mother following the death of his father The Ennis he knew was one of independent grocers and narrow lanes and he earned his living doing odd jobs and later as one of the longest-serving newspaper delivery men in the town. Growing up in Ennis, I would see Michael regularly in the early 1980s with large hat, wig and waft of perfume. He was an individual in an age of conformity and years later he came back into my mind when locals set up a campaign to have him remembered. I began trying to reassemble his life, and through his cousin, Cyril Quinn, visited some of the people and places special to Michael.
3: Well, he'd have his big necklace on. He'd be a ray of sunshine. he, He might have a hat on. He might have a different wig. You know, he used to wear a wig for every day, but mostly the Elvis Presley wig. That was the one, the black one. And... As I say, he had all his own customers. They all just to loved to come over to just to speak to him, like you know. Even though there, there was plenty of paper shops around, and the news agent here in the market, Mrs. O'Connor, used to get all his papers from there. But originally, he started off with, with uh, the Dummy Diner. He was the man that used to sell all the papers in years gone by. Michael was some character. He used to go in here to the old ground hotel. And he, to, he, dressed up, he dressed up as a lady, and an American approached him, and he wanted to have a date for him. <laughs> and Michael said, do you realise he said I'm a man? <laughs> Your man was convinced that he was a, he was a woman, because he started, you know, doing things he shouldn't have done.
4: Today, Michael would be defined by his sexuality. Back then, he was defined by his personality. He was just Michael, a character in the town. Two of those from Ennis who remember him well are singer Maura O'Connell and writer Mark O'Holloran.
1: Michael's sartorial splendour didn't really start until um, I can imagine I was in my late teens. Prior to that, I don't remember him being quite as outrageous as he became. I do remember, though, that he he was always beloved, but not as much as he was as he grew older. I have a vague memory of seeing him go up the lane for after uh, selling the papers on Sunday and some young fellows making fun of him and even maybe throwing something at him. But he he just shouted at him and told him to get off themselves, I'm sure, in very colourful language. But um, his sartorial splendour really didn't... I don't remember it being around until I was maybe 17, 18. And he would have, you know, baubles on, earrings and, and, and necklaces and would have the makeup on. Maybe not the lipstick, but definitely the eyeshadow and the mascara. And uh, maybe or a glad little scarf or something like that. I
2: wouldn't ever have called him a cross-dresser in lots of ways. He wore, he he ran a very thin line between (laughs) male clothes and female clothes. Like I would remember him kind of palazzo pants, a woman's blouse, a hat was always there. He might have a piece of jewellery, certainly a a very exotic piece of jewellery around his neck. And he was... Incredibly effeminate and incredibly flamboyant, but also strong with it. He wasn't—he wasn't, he wasn't a, a typical sissy. He was a big, strong man. Woman. <laughs>
3: was all his mother. His mother was the. His. his every day, you know. The first thing he'd say when he come in, "I'm home, mother." Even when she'd passed on. He had a, a photograph on the top of the staircase of his mother. And I'd always say it coming in the door because we went in, because he'd always invite you back for the party. There had to be a party. And that was Michael all the time. to party, party, party. There was no, he didn't want no sadness around him. It was all, you know, enjoyment all the time. Hi.
4: Michael was also well-known for bringing people on his famous mystery bus tours, often dressed as the exotic 1940s actress and singer Carmen Miranda.
3: Because every Sunday we'd have a a mystery tour. But 99 times out of 100, you'd end up down in KD Daly's in Killaloo. And uh, the best thing I can recall is we went down there the last... it was one of the last tours that we had there was a relation of his at a pub this side of this side of Killaloo and we used to go across the bridge for our for our meal, it was all arranged there for you, and then when the meal was finished we went up to Katie Daly's up in the hill and then we went out to Galway another time and on the way back we called into the Valley Line pub, it was all arranged, there was an extension given to us you know, to carry on the party. He was only just starting. He had all his gear on, the Cam Miranda gear on, ready to give us the... I like you. I like you very much. All this is going on. Oh, my God, you want to see it. It It's all this world. He had just started, and down came Malone. You'll all have to get out, he said. Why? He said, didn't we get an extension? No. And there was an American gentleman with us, Mr Kennedy he was an ex-policeman from Chicago he drew out the gun and he said you call this Irish hospitality your men gave us the extension on, on, the, on the time, we were there at 2 o'clock in the morning
5: we're the blue
0: si, 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 senior, I think I fall alone. and when I fall I think I fall for you
4: this is the market area of Venice and on the window here of Tony's Fashions we have a large picture of Michael in all his splendor Yeah, you can see that <laughs> That was my, and all the rings
3: Jesus, and I used to wear some rings well, that was my, look at the smile. Honest to God, look at that. You, you couldn't help but be, you know, happy just being around him. Like, everybody. It just shone out of him. He's, he's all this world. Hi, oh, Tony. How are you? How's it
0: going? We just talked about Michael here. That hat that he's on him now was brought back from um, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine um, by the name of John Gearn... Every year that we would slip away to um, America, Michael used to always tell us to bring back a hat to him. And that one actually that he's wearing in that photograph is after coming back from um, Atlanta, Georgia. Isn't it a beauty?
4: It's a large black sombrero, really, is it? <laughs> yes,
0: indeed. That's what it is. Yeah. And to bring that through customs and everything now, the day we came back, there was a lot of um, talk about it. <laughs> and um, we eventually got it through. So we did.
3: I wish I'd seen the character you were bringing it
4: to. <laughs> there wouldn't be any hassle. Uh, tell us about Michael, Tony. What was he like?
0: What did I say about him? Years ago, there was another gentleman this town by the name of Josie Cronin. And he was walking on the far side of the street. And Michael was on this side of the street. And Josie roared over to him. Soft day today, isn't it, Michael? That's what you think, says Michael. <laughs> so that's the kind of a character Michael was. He would great wit. And... Uh, a very genuine and honest man of this town and one of the best characters that we've ever seen in the town of Venice Superman and he was so accepted within his society uh, absolutely. wasn't absolutely um, because nobody knew you know it was that time that um, everybody just accepted him whereas if he was alive today I don't think the youth of Venice would have accepted him as much as what we did um, I think they would have they would have taunted him and haunted him to his death actually you know the youth of today but thanks be to God that we didn't know much about it at the time and um, he was accepted in the town of Venice. So it's great, you know.
4: And the traders that Michael would have known at the time, the old Innis families who had shops here, I mean, there's very few left, really, is there?
0: Um, the only family shops that would be left that he would have actually um, done business with would maybe be um, the cash company. Yeah. Um, Brogan's, Mr. Brogan's. Brogan's.
3: And, get, and Galleries.
0: Galleries is closed now. An awful lot of the shops that he would have done business with, like Michael, is dead, what, 15 years? They'd all be closed now. So a lot of the new shops wouldn't even know Michael Tierney now. A lot of the youth that would pass and look at the shop window there and they'd say, who's that man? And I'd hear it and I'd come out and I'd say, he's one of the old characters of the town of Venice. (laughs) My God, he looked great and, you know, so... And Michael, he, would he call into you a loss during the week? Uh, Mike Lud passed the shop every day. Hey, Melay, how are you today? <laughs> and um, that's the way he was, and he'd pop his head into most of the shops and uh, say hello to us. Got
5: myself a crying, talking, sleeping, walking, living doll. Got to do my best to please her, just cause she's a
6: living
5: doll.
4: Another shop owner, Pamela, played a big role in supplying Michael with his large collection of jewellery and hats, which he was generous in lending to female friends for weddings or parties.
7: He was just absolutely full of life and um, he used to buy hats off me. Uh, in my old shop down at the end of Parnell Street years ago, um, I used to get special hats in from different countries for him and he'd go into the pubs and tell everybody he got the hat from Pam and we we used to do a special deal for him because he was was the best advertisement you could ever have, you know, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant we miss him. Can you describe what
4: he might have looked like on a typical day or maybe when he was really dressed up, what did he look
7: like? Oh gosh, um, he'd always stand out from the crowd Um, the hat was his signature piece, you know, he worked everything around his hats and um, in those days I used to sell uh, fashion jewellery and he used to buy the biggest earrings off me. You know, it was the 80s and John Collins and the whole lot.
4: Pamela supports a Facebook campaign which is looking at ways to commemorate Michael and his dog Paddy. So the page is Innes wants a statue of Michael Tierney and, and there Paddy. There he is.
7: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my hats. I'm how are That's one of my hats. Yeah.
4: Can you remember that hat?
7: I can, I can remember. That would have been, I would say, eighty three, eighty four. They were really big, you know. And they, they became bigger in town here when Michael was wearing them, you know. People come in, see that hat Michael's wearing, do you have any more of those? So,
4: And it's amazing if we scroll down on this site, the memories that people have of him. Mm-hmm. Um, some people talking about his grave here. I saw Michael's grave at the weekend, bit of a shame. It's not tended to in a while. We might call to that later on and have a look. Whole range of people, young and old. Isn't oh, yeah,
7: it? absolutely. Anybody who could remember him will never forget him. You know, he knew uh, everything and everybody, and he had all the gossip. It was brilliant. He didn't need a clear champion, you know. Michael was the clear champion.
4: By this stage, I had little first hand information about Michael's past. I was told he spoke on local radio, but the recordings were proving difficult to find. I decided to call into the Clare Local Study Centre to get more detail on his life.
5: Peter, how are you? Hello Brian, how are you?
4: Um, as you probably know, we're on this quest to try and find out a little bit about the life and times of the great and his character, <laughs> Michael Tierney. And if we were to look for records of his life, Peter, do you think we might have any look here?
5: Well, you you may well track down perhaps some passing references in local newspapers and that. So I'd suggest maybe trying the card index behind you, Brian. Okay. And hopefully you'll find something.
4: Great. Thanks, Peter. So we're looking at T for Tierney, and we're going through the various subject headings. Ah, here we have Michael Tierney. And we have one, two... We have quite a number. We've four or five separate references to Michael Tierney. A number of them photographs. Here we go. Character Michael Tierney is a Clare People article from earlier this year. Um, we have some reference in a, a book on Innes photographs. So hopefully we might get a nice photograph from this. And we have a profile in the Clare Champion on the 10th of February 1995. And with a bit of luck, Michael might have been interviewed for this profile, and we might uh, get quite a good bit of first hand information from that piece. Ah, here we are. 10th of February, 1995, declared champion. And here we have on. Top of, top of page 10. Ooh, pretty big, full half-page article. And the headline is, Hats off to you, Michael. Uh, let's see, do we have any direct quotes from Michael in this? He says he attended the Boys National School in Carmody Street and while he enjoyed the camaraderie of the playground, he was less happy in the classroom. He learned nothing, he says, and he was once out of school for three months because, quote, a teacher split me down over the head when he refused a uh, request to go to the loo. An older brother died before he was born, and he came into the world a day after his father, who was a veteran of World War I, was buried in Drumcliff Cemetery. By the age of 20 then, he was to begin the job which would take him through the next half century of his life. It says here too that he supplemented his income with odd jobs like carrying suitcases at the railway station because the papers weren't giving him enough of an income. Oh, well, it looks like he had a slight little dispute with the Catholic Church here and he blames them for the bottom falling out of the Sunday newspaper markets. Here he is quoted saying, In the old days I'd sell 300 presses, obviously the Irish press, 400 indos and the world of English papers on a Sunday morning, but since they started holding mass on Saturday evenings, the sales went completely. Um, They're looking forward in the article to Michael's 75th birthday in April. At this stage, he says, I reckon I've paid my dues. I've worked for 50 years and got on with everyone. Now, so long as I have my health and can get out and about, I don't mind. This is, um, Peter has kindly given us a copy of Innocent Old Photographs, a book by uh, local historian Charles Spellacy And on page 108, we have a picture of Michael, the same picture that's used on the Facebook page with Michael and his collection of hats and wigs, In the biog underneath the picture, it says, Michael Tierney, 1917-1998. to It says, Michael was a flamboyant character who worked as a newspaper boy for about 60 years. He never remembered his father, Michael, who was killed in World War I and was raised by his mother, Bridget. There's a comment here that's related to what was something of a local controversy in Ennis at the time. A statue was placed in the middle of the market area of town of Daedalus, and um, the statue was pretty much naked, and it caused a certain amount of controversy. It became known afterwards, it wasn't known by its classical name Daedalus, but people used to call the statue the Market Flasher because it was based in the market. And it has a lovely quote from Michael here, which Sean Spellacy has recorded, where when Michael first saw the statue, his quote was, Oh, isn't he well equipped? Despite my best efforts, I still hadn't managed to find a recording of Michael's own voice. Over the years, what few recordings existed had been lost, and it was beginning to look like Michael and his personality were consigned to memory. Tony Garland, or Tony G as he was known on pirate radio and innocent in the 1980s, remembers Michael's love of radio and rock and roll.
8: Uh, Michael was a gay man, but a good man. <laughs> No, no, he was great. He was a great fan of ours. He actually said to me, he said, now, um, at one stage, I remember he was having, uh, he came in the radio station one day and he looked at me and he said, um, am I, am I kind of, where you're from? I said, uh, Michael, what do you mean? You're from Brighton, yes. Or oh, he said, I've been to Brighton. He said, oh, it's a lovely gay area. Now, that's exactly, that's all he said to me. And I said to him, well, Michael, it is, he says, but um, we all have to have our moments, like, you know. Um, Somebody had given him a headset with these rabbit's ears coming out of his sombrero that I I was actually, it was a very hot day. I remember doing a, a radio program on my request show in the afternoon And Michael was uh, walking up Parnell Street. I was looking out the radio because it was so hot, I had to open the window. And I saw the sombrero. And I saw these two big things coming out, like, you know. (laughs) And so straight away, I ran straight in, went through my record collection, and I got um, um, Speedy Gonzalez, Pat Boone. And I played (laughs) it. I sent a special request out or the sombrero wandering up Parnell Street, obviously around O'Connell Square, I said, and this is special for you, Michael, Speedy Gonzales.
1: You better come home, Speedy
5: Gonzales, away from Tannery Road. Stop all of your drinking with that flucy name Flo. Come on home to your adobe and slap some mud on the wall. The roof is leaking like a straighter.
8: There's loads of roaches in the hall. And about two or three days later, he saw me up in the square and he, he, he shouted out across the road, Hey, you, you! I loved it! I loved it! It was marvellous, like, you know, so, I mean, he appreciated everything because so, so many people were so good to him. I always remember Michael was in the Celtic Bar and they, they asked me up to sing and next thing, they said, uh, uh, Tony the Tiger, the bass player used to call me Tony the Tiger, you know? And uh, could, you, could you give us a few songs? And what do you want Tony to sing tonight? And next thing, Michael, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger. Oh, he was like this, he was... His hands was up like this, and he was absolutely over the moon. You know, I... Oh, he says, thank you very much, you've made my day. You know, I mean, that's how he was. I don't know why he liked that song. I can't... I I don't know, but, I mean, he asked me to sing it, so I sang it, you know. Anything for dear old Michael? Would you be able to sing a bar of it? Um, Baby used to stay out all night long. She got me going, she done me wrong She made my eyes open, that's no lie Now the table's turned and it's her turn to come Because I used to love her I remember when I, I was only here about about uh, fourteen months when we went down to I can't remember yeah, I think it used to be called Quinlevan's pub down in the in the uh Lower Market Street there. And I was in there with two of my brother in laws and my wife at the time and and I always remember that, that some guy was giving him an awful lot of stick in there one night. He was actually I'd say uh, a kind of, how can I say in the background, a kind of gay bashing. And I remember one of my brother-in-laws turning around saying, Michael, how can you, because I mean my brother-in-laws have known him since probably they were this high, like, you know. And I can remember him saying to Michael, how can you take all that? Don't worry, I'll get my own back. I'll get my own back, he says. Just let him carry on. He's going to get an awful shock. He's been at me now for about an hour and a half, he says. But I'll get him back here within about ten minutes, he said. But anyway, this guy came up anyway, and he said something to him. And whatever, Michael turned round to him and said, Come here, he says. You've been at me, he said, for the last two hours, he said. But you weren't at me when you were at me last night. And that's exactly what he said. And this guy went as red as a beetroot. And everyone in the, everyone in the bar clapped Michael, like you know. And he just finished it it within two minutes, like just like that.
4: Despite Michael's ability to deal with insults, his sexuality wasn't something he wore on his sleeve.
2: Although he was quite flamboyant in his dress, the idea that he had a sexuality, I think, would be very difficult for people to to uh, to take on. I mean, I remember once speaking to uh, an older relative of mine, and I said to her, you know, perhaps Michael is a homosexual. And the reply was, he is not! (laughs) And the idea that he had a sexuality would have been very difficult for people. But the idea that he was a flamboyant, uh, effeminate man seemed to be okay and dealable with. I I don't think he was proselytizing for gay rights in any way.
1: But Michael was beloved. I mean, I think the reason that no one ever Uh, batted an eye at his eccentricities was because they just loved him and in fact loved his eccentricities and never, I don't think, ever really uh, put the two together I hope he found love somewhere, I'm not sure about it, Um, certainly it wasn't something anybody talked about
4: Would many people visit Michael's grave here? I doubt it I doubt it now, To tend it the truth. It's fitting, though, that he's buried in the old part of the cemetery. Oh, yeah, thanks for God. A lot of the old Clare families would be oh, buried. Oh,
3: here he is, yeah, That's the
4: grave. Doesn't look like the grave would have been visited a whole lot, does it? No, no. I mean, so, you, you know, almost to, expected... To, it's
3: to to be... sad, like, you know, you're, you're like, you know, you just pick some of the people that know him more like would be up here but you see tis it is a tis a, a closed in grave. And you can't do anything, you know, you can't do anything really to to sort of put a see in the dome look at that's crack. Tis a long time since that was put there. It was the time his burial I suppose. But there there don't seem to be any flowers no. coming here or anything. It was uh, the life that he put into the town when he was around the place. You'd have thought it like, would have been larger than, I like, with say, a black stone or something like that. But that was Michael. Michael lived a simple life. And he didn't want too much of a fuss made of him, you know, but he'd make a fuss of you if you were down. In memory of Michael Tierney, the 28th Hermitage, Died the 5th of August, 1998. Also his parents, Michael, and Bridget, RIP. May he rest in peace.
4: I have to say, it seems quite sad to see those two or three offerings broken and um, pretty worn. It just doesn't seem fitting.
3: That's life. You see... You're Michael, you, you could be the best person, you could be the best known person in the world. Now, you take for instance Michael Jackson. He was a big star. Do you hear people talking about him now? It was only when he died six months. Mitle was an ordinary person like you and me. You go to the funeral today, next week, there's nobody talking about Michael. There's nobody talking about you if you're if you're deceased and buried. It's, a, you know, it's, it's the way life is. See, people are living for, for life, for the day. And what comes after, well, that's between you and your make So.
5: I swear I don't know how
4: At Michael's simple yet unkempt grave, I thought my journey had come to an end. Yet one last roll of the dice brought us to the door of retired secondary school teacher Dennis Canty, who had interviewed Michael in the mid-1980s and may have kept a recording. Hello Brian. Dennis, Brian O'Connell. How are you? Welcome. Thanks very much. Come on in. Thank you. As you know, we're making a documentary on the life of Michael Tierney, which has led us to your door. And we were hoping that perhaps you had a recording of Michael's voice um,
5: or you had some audio of Michael still in existence. Yes, I have, in fact, Brian. In fact, it goes back to 1985. There was a local radio station here and I used to present a kind of a Christmas Eve programme. And um, I, I remember just I'd wander around the market here with my microphone. And, Ennis was a very easy... Well, it still is an easy-going place. It's what's wonderful about Ennis. And um, I I wandered into O'Connor's shop, and it was late evening, and I remember it was a a rather wet and soggy Christmas Eve, that kind of dank day there. And uh, I could hear the laughter of Michael inside. So I went in, and I asked him, would he give us an interview? And he did. But he was always accepted and liked. And he certainly... um, was appreciated by the generation that that grew up with him and always accepted him as 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 an individual it's not easy to be accepted as an individual in a small town mind you you can be more individualistic in a big city and you know funny thing about his i find his laugh very interesting i think it takes great courage to laugh in life don't you to be constantly i never remember him in a in a bad humor or nasty that's something i'd like to say too about Michael he was all these things he was a great entertainer but he was also a good man and that's why everybody even this day remembers him with great affection
4: you know there has been
5: talks in the last few months of erecting some form of memorial to Michael yeah. be it a statue or be it a plaque we, we celebrate sports people and politicians and artists and rightly so but I think it's great to celebrate a man who brought such humour and goodness, and especially in these recession times, to bring this cheer to the top. I think it's a fantastic contribution.
4: Michael Tierney's personality lives on through all those who knew him. Here, Michael ends the story, in festive mood, in the only known recording of him that still exists.
5: And now meet Michael Tierney. Hello, Michael Tierney. Hello, how are you?
6: Uh, I wish all my friends a very, very happy Christmas. Also, oh, Mr. Connor and, oh, geez, I, could, I can't mention all the names yes, now.
5: Yes. Tell me, Michael, uh, uh, has Christmas changed a lot since the old days? Oh, it
6: now, has changed yes. immensely now, but still I'm enjoying it. Uh, Mm-hmm. fantastic what was me. it
5: what was it like here when you were growing up did you grow up in annis I did I, I, I did definitely I grew up in this yeah what used did you see do on Saint stephen's day
6: is <laughs> 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 <it was> terrible <laughs>
5: But <laughs> <laughs> you still go dancing on the steams I now? I do. I go out the
6: parties though. You, you still go, and, and have a yeah. fantastic time. Yes. I am enjoy myself
5: every minute at this time. Could you uh, remember a few names you'd like to wish a happy Christmas to now?
6: Well, I'd, I'd, um, I'd, I'd like to have a happy Christmas to Mrs. White, Mrs. Quillivan, her husband, Mr. O'Connor, her husband. I'd also wish a uh, happy birthday to, to Marie at the Carla Bar, her husband. Oh my god, I can't think of more. <coughs> so friends. Yeah. No, Mrs. Lynch, and I have so many fantastic friends, I can't, I can't think of them all, no. yes, Yes. Um,
5: do you find that uh, Christmas can be a lonely time for us? Yeah,
6: some very lonely for old people. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but they all know you. Oh, they all know me. Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh,
6: jeez. Yes.
5: Yeah. Would, would, would tell us, would you um, would you sing a little song for us?
6: I suppose I'll have to sing a little Go song for you. Pity <laughs> what I do. Come on, Michael. <laughs> we could have danced all night. We could have danced all night and still. I said no more I could have spread my wings out of a thousand things are never danced before I never know what made it so <laughs> exciting. and I was my heart I know I never know when we dance, and when we dance with you, I could have danced, danced, danced all
5: night. No, right? That's fantastic, Michael. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Tell us, Michael, what wish do you have for 1986?
6: Well, I hope every, I hope everything goes well with everyone, and hope to be I hope to be better in 1985, and hope we get we all get on this world. <laughs>
5: Thank you very much, oh, and a happy Christmas. You're
6: welcome. And I wish Mrs. O'Connor a happy Christmas, yes. and um, her husband Tom and all her family, and Maury and Molly and Mrs. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
5: you. Hello, we'll have this uh, little oh, girl over here on, now. You um, now. <laughs> That's three, two, one. I'll never know what made it so exciting While at once my heart? to fly,
7: I only know when she began to dance with me, I could have danced, danced, danced